the headlines tonight. Manning spills the beans, WikiLeaks catches them. Enterprise flies but forgets to leave the nest. And FBI's Hansen caught in Russian doll of spying. Plus, a giant leap for Toad, kind as the first amphibian candidate for mayor of Lilypad City, jumps into the race. Those are the headlines. Stay tuned or we'll send the news to haunt your dreams. News Bang, taking the bull by the horns of truth. 2010. In a sensational twist of fate, the tables have turned on whistleblower extraordinaire Julian Assange. The man who once exposed the world's secrets now finds himself incarcerated for not returning some overdue VHS tapes to Blockbuster Video. His website, WikiLeaks, which once brought governments to their knees with its revelations about alien lizard people running Washington, D.C., is now struggling for content and funding. Meanwhile, Chelsea Manning, former soldier and part-time lingerie model, has been convicted of leaking classified documents to wiki fish tanks due to an unfortunate autocorrect mishap. Manning released 75 million top-secret photos of endangered aquatic life, mistakenly believing they were evidence of deep state corruption. I thought I was exposing something fishy she said before being carted off by style police for her choice of metaphors. With Assange silenced and Manning behind bars, the world braces itself for a new era where war crimes go unpunished and celebrities' pets are no longer hacked into space. 1977. On this day in 1977, the Space Shuttle Enterprise took its maiden flight atop a jumbo jet. The craft, named after the starship from Star Trek and not the other way around, was part of NASA's ambitious plan to give everyday Americans access to space, as long as they were astronauts or had enough frequent flyer miles. The shuttle piggybacked on a modified Boeing 747, which is like hitchhiking for spaceships, before detaching over Edwards Air Force Base. Eyewitnesses described how it glided gracefully through the sky like a giant metal swan, or maybe an ironing board with wings. Either way, it didn't crash. NASA hailed it as a success. However, one disgruntled bystander said, It just flew in circles. I could have done that with my Corgi rocket car when I was a kid. But who are we mere mortals to judge? They're going where no man has gone before, unless you count those pesky Russians. Here to do, sister. 2001. Well, it's a dark day for the FBI as one of their own is exposed as a double agent. Robert Boris Hansen has been arrested for spying on behalf of the KGB and GRU for over two decades. The KGB, or Knitting Grandmother's Brigade, were the premier knitwear producers in the Soviet Union, while the GRU stands for Gorbachev's Really Upset. Hansen was caught red-handed, or should that be red-mittened, passing secrets to his Russian handlers during an undercover operation at Jojo's Yarn Emporium in Chevy Chase. Eyewitnesses describe how he would regularly meet with shady figures who shared his love of cable stitch and cashmere cardigans. I always thought there was something off about him, said bystander Polly Woolsworthy. He never joined us for Crochet Club on Tuesdays. The damage done by this traitorous yarn spinner is yet to unravel, but sources say it could leave America's national security in tatters. One thing's certain, after today, no ball of yarn will ever seem innocent again. In news bang, sifting through the ashes of yesterday's lies.
Now for your daily weather update with Shakanaka Giles, who'll guide us through the drizzle. Tomorrow in the southeast, expect a morning drizzle like a tearful goodbye to the recently bereaved. By afternoon, the sun will peek through, akin to a shy child at a party. Moving on to the Midlands, where it'll be a bit like a grumpy old man, all moody and overcast. But don't worry, it'll brighten up by evening, just in time for the annual Sausage and Ale Festival. Up north, it's going to be a bit nippy, colder than a polar bear's cooch. So wrap up warm and enjoy the snow-covered landscapes. Over in Wales, it'll be windy, as if Mother Nature is having a good old gossip. Hold on to your hats, folks. Lastly, Scotland, where it'll be a right mixed bag, rain, hail, and maybe even a bit of sunshine. It's like a weather lottery up there. In summary, a tearful goodbye, a grumpy old man, a polar bear's toenails, a gossiping wind and a weather lottery. And that's all the weather. Twenty ten. In a shocking turn of events, the year 2010 bore witness to a coup d'etat in Niger, Africa, as military rebels besieged the presidential palace and unseated President Mamadou Tanja. The mastermind behind this audacious power grab, Salu Jibo, leader of the Supreme Council for the Restoration of Democracy. The objective? To usher in an era of democracy and good governance in Niger's capital city, Niamey. A coup steeped in ambition and idealism, it seems. But will these ideals be enough to mend a nation torn asunder? And now to delve deeper into this unfolding saga, we turn to our correspondent, Brian Bastable. This is Brian Bastable, Newsbang's very own Gonzo Warrior, reporting from Niamey in the heart of the African darkness. We are camped out on the front line as history repeats itself. Just now, I heard a gunshot from the presidential palace. The air here is thick with smoke and fear. We hear rumors that this afternoon, President Mamadou Tanja was dragged from his home and shot at close range by soldiers disgruntled with his regime. And there we see them now, emerging like angry insects from their sandy lairs. Masked men carrying rifles aloft like trophies. These are no ordinary men. These are men whose hearts have been poisoned by warfare's cruelty. But this isn't just any coup d'etat. This is an event orchestrated by Chef de Scadron Salou Djibo and his Supreme Council for the Restoration of Democracy, SCRD. They want to re-establish democracy in Niger, or so they claim. The SCRD marches forward like an unstoppable wave towards its ultimate goal, seizing power through brute force. In front of me lies what used to be a bustling marketplace. It has been reduced to rubble under heavy artillery fire from rebel forces intent on causing chaos throughout Niamey. The people cower behind walls as machine guns chatter relentlessly into the night sky, each bullet piercing flesh indiscriminately without regard for age or gender. 
Women scream hysterically while children wail inconsolably amidst scenes reminiscent of Armageddon itself. Yet despite all this destruction, there remains hope among some citizens who believe that perhaps one day they will live free from tyranny under a democratically elected government led by true leaders rather than bloodthirsty warmongers hell-bent on sowing seeds of terror among innocent civilians. But until then, it seems that war will continue its unforgiving reign over Niger. This is Brian Bastable reporting live for Newsbang. 2014. Mind-boggling pandemonium at Zaventhem Airport today, as a posse of eight dapper gunmen, motoring through in a convoy of white vans, absconded with $50 million worth of diamonds from a Swiss-bound airplane, and not a shot was fired. Not one. Nader. Zip. Zero. Absolutely zilch by way of gunfire. Not even a bang. The men, armed with nothing more than a set of blueprints and a charming smile, infiltrated the Brussels airport and spirited away the bling-laden payload from a presumably unsuspecting aircraft. Now to shed more light on this audacious incident, here's Ken Shit with a report that some of you will probably find disturbing for some reason or other. Good evening, you lizard-brained maggots. Crank up the chaos meter because tonight we're going to the one place that's no stranger to getting bent, and that's the Brussels airport. Picture this, boys and girls, eight devious, moustache-twiddling bastards with more swagger than a beauty pageant full of self-proclaimed hot shots. They descended upon this seemingly peaceful airport, armed with the tools of their one true love, greed. These lads weren't interested in RTDs, last-minute opens, or who last saw Kelly. Nope, they had bigger thieving fish to fry. These masters of thievery, these unfathomably glorified sticky fingers, nabbed themselves a cool $50 million worth of diamonds. That's enough shiny rocks to choke a medium-sized rhinoceros, you savvy. And you know what's even more mind-boggling than that? The fact that they pulled this shit off without a single drop of bloodshed. Oops, my bad. Well, that's not entirely true. They did leave behind a trail of pure, unadulterated corporate tears rivaling the last scene of Old Yeller. Now I'm not saying corporate tears are worth the same kind of mill I give to a good dose of diamond heist, but we all know the real takeaway here is the fact that these flying fargins got themselves an immeasurable cache of shimmering luxuries that will help them one-up those pompous assholes in the 7% who are doing just fine. So tonight, boys and girls, let's give a round of applause for the real winners. The ones who know how to get their grubby mitts on the one thing these corporate whores could never buy. The true spirit of the hustle. This is Ken Shit sharing the wealth on Newsbang. 2010. In a world where secrets no longer hide in the shadows, WikiLeaks, the once feared media organization, now lies dormant. Founded by Julian Assange, this revolutionary platform released over 10 million classified documents, shining a light on the unseen machinations of power. Yet, with Assange's imprisonment and funding restrictions, the deluge of revelations has ceased. Chelsea Manning, an American activist and whistleblower, remains a symbol of defiance for her role in disclosing nearly 750,000 classified documents to WikiLeaks. Now we turn to Hardiman Pesto for further insight into the current state of WikiLeaks, and its impact on global transparency. WikiLeaks is no more, Martin. 
The once mighty fortress of truth and transparency has crumbled into the dust of history. Yes, quite a fall from grace for the organisation that exposed some of the world's dirtiest secrets. And the man behind it all, Julian Assange, still languishing behind bars. That's right, Martin. A decade after bursting onto the world stage, Assange is now just a fading memory, and with him goes the legacy of WikiLeaks. Its lifeblood was those anonymous sources feeding its secrets. But it seems that supply has dried up. No more brave whistleblowers willing to risk it all. Not since the conviction of Chelsea Manning. She provided that massive trove of classified documents that put WikiLeaks on the map. But her 35-year prison sentence sent a clear message. Yes, keep your mouth shut, or you'll be locked up and the key thrown away. The powers that be have made sure there'll be no more Mannings or Snowdens anytime soon. Too true, Martin. The days of speaking truth to power are over. Big Brother has won. WikiLeaks is dead. Long life state secrecy. You always did have a flair for the dramatic pesto. But I'm afraid the facts speak for themselves here. The life has been sucked out of WikiLeaks, and with it any real hope for government transparency. A sad day indeed. I guess we'll just have to rely on trusty old insiders to leak the occasional inconsequential tidbit to us. Real investigative journalism is dead. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Pesto has officially declared the death of the free press. Stay tuned while he delivers the eulogy. I'm sure it'll be utterly preposterous. Here to do, Sisti. 2001. In a jaw-dropping revelation that has sent shockwaves across the globe, FBI agent Robert Hansen was unmasked as a double agent, having covertly spied for the KGB and GRU for over two decades. The FBI, America's domestic intelligence and security service, has been left red-faced as they scramble to contain the fallout from this staggering betrayal. Meanwhile, the Committee for State Security, CSS, once the main security agency for the Soviet Union and the GRU, Russia's foreign military intelligence agency, are no doubt enjoying a rare moment of schadenfreude. And now we turn to Melody Wintergreen with more on this unfolding story. In the shadowy dance of espionage, one man's tango has turned into a treasonous two-step. FBI agent Robert Hansen, once a master of secrets, now finds himself the centerpiece in a spy scandal that reads like a Cold War crime novel. Here in the quiet suburbia of Vienna, Virginia, Hansen's neighbors are reeling from the revelation that their friendly community harbored a real-life mole. As the FBI combs through the Hansen household searching for scraps of betrayal, America grapples with the notion that for 22 years, their intelligence waltz was compromised by one of their own. Hansen's double life has left colleagues stunned and security experts scrambling to plug leaks in a ship that sailed undetected through turbulent international waters. The whispers in Washington speak of encrypted codes and clandestine drop sites, where Hansen handed over state secrets as casually as one might pass sugar across a neighborly fence. The irony is thicker than a John le Carre plot. An agent tasked with hunting spies becomes the hunted. As Hansen is led away in handcuffs, his legacy unfolds not in commendations, but in condemnations. A cautionary tale etched into the annals of American intelligence. So as Robert Hansen faces his final debriefing behind bars rather than desks, it seems this is one agent who didn't know when to come in from the cold. Melody Wintergreen, reporting for Newsbang, on the doorstep of duplicity. 
news bang. The truth as cold as ice, as hard as steel. 1977. Calamity Prenderville brings us a report on Britain's innovative contribution to space exploration, the Space Shuttle Enterprise. Welcome back to Newsbang, where we're taking you on a blast to the past. It's 1977 and Britain is leading the way in space exploration. NASA's first space shuttle, Enterprise, made its maiden test flight today, riding high on the wings of a Boeing 747. Yes, you heard that right, a jumbo jet. Now, you might be wondering how this unlikely British innovation came about. Well, it all started when a group of British engineers got bored with building bridges and decided to build a spaceship instead. They figured, if it can fly in the air, why not in space? And thus, the Space Shuttle Enterprise was born. The test flight was a sight to behold. The shuttle carrier aircraft took off like any other plane, but as it reached cruising altitude, the Space Shuttle Enterprise detached from its wings and glided back down to Earth like a giant metal bird. It was like watching a scene straight out of a sci-fi movie. But why stop there? These British engineers didn't just build a spaceship. They built one that could be transported by an airplane. Imagine that. A spaceship that could fly in the air. It was like having your very own UFO. So there you have it. Britain leading the way in space exploration once again. Who knows what these innovative minds will come up with next? Perhaps a flying car? or a hovering kettle? Only time will tell. This is Calamity Prenderville from Newsbang, signing off. Newsbang, the world's first truthometer. 3102 BC. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you a special report. The year is 3102 BC, and we find ourselves in the midst of Kali Yuga, the final stage of the world according to Hindu scriptures. A time marked by conflict and sin, this epoch began in the 4th millennium BC, coinciding with the advent of the Bronze Age and the birth of writing. The Vedas and Upanishads, revered Hindu texts, have become our guides through this tumultuous era. But fear not, dear listeners, for Pastor Kevin Monstrance is here to shed light on these ancient prophecies and what they mean for our modern world. Thank you, thank you, you're too kind. Though I must say this studio audience is far more lively than the one at my last show in Skegness. I told a joke there about a seaside donkey that went right over their heads. Luckily, no one was sitting behind them. Now, I don't know how many of you know your ancient Hindu scriptures, but I myself was quite the theology buff back in my university days at Our Lady of the Perpetual Curry. Top of my class in Vedic studies, though I confess my Sanskrit was a bit dodgy, Sounded like I had a mouthful of papadams half the time. <laughs> but I digress. Tonight, I want to take you back, way back, to the 4th millennium BC. Now, according to Mr. Hindu, this was around the time that the last phase of the world began, called the Kali Yuga. Yes, the Kali Yug. Not to be confused with the Kali Yoga my wife Gertrude takes down at the community centre, though I dare say some of those positions require similar flexibility. 
Now legend tells that the Kali Yuga marked the low point in human morality and virtue. People became right scoundrels, basically, without two ethical rubies to rub together. Reminds me of the crew at my local pub, the Saracen's Head in Handforth. Don't get me started on that lot. Anyway, Hindu texts like the Vedas were all written around this period, and the Bronze Age kicked off. So while people were busy sinning up a storm, they also managed to invent writing and metalworking. Talk about multitasking. Blessed are the immoral, for they shall inherit the bronze. <laughs> Which reminds me of a joke about a Hindu chap called Pradip, who dies and ends up at the gates of heaven. St. Peter looks in his book and says, Sorry, Pradip, old boy, but you've broken too many commandments to get into heaven. <laughs> Pradip pleads for another chance, so St. Peter says, All right, if you can correctly spell the word Krishna, I'll let you in. Pradip smiles and says, No problem, mate. K-R-I-S-H-N-A. <laughs> St. Peter shakes his head and says, Sorry, that's incorrect. Pradip looks baffled and asks, How can that be wrong? St. Peter replies, it was the Bronze Age. Oh, everything had to be spelled badly. <laughs> well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for tonight. Do tip your waitresses and be kind to any Saracens you meet. Good night. <laughs>